I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to On Brand with Alf and me, Rory Sutherland. Each month I'll be talking to household names as well as challenger brands about success, the challenges and future opportunities in the advertising, marketing and media industries. And today I'm joined by Hartun Weiss, Global Head of Agency and Accounts at TikTok, which you obviously will know of as the short-form video sharing platform, which has seen meteoric success since its launch, sheesh, as recently as 2016. In 2022, there are around 17.5 million TikTok users in the UK, which is pretty much a quarter of the population, and this number is anticipated to increase by 20% over the next few years. Globally, the platform boasts a staggering 1.2 billion monthly users. A report from the media agency Group M estimated that TikTok had doubled its ad revenue over the past 12 months, despite most social media rivals reporting decreasing demand from advertisers. So, this sounds like pretty good timing to be leading advertising revenue generation at TikTok, and I'm delighted, therefore, to welcome Cartoon to the podcast. So, Cartoon, none of my listeners will forgive me. It's a fantastic name. Uh, I, if I didn't ask, where did Cartoon, which is, by the way, spelled with a K, for the benefit of people who haven't seen any of the textuals around, um, I wouldn't be doing my duty uh, if I didn't ask where it comes from. First of all, it's very kind of you. Thank you. Um, Hartoon is actually pronounced Hatun. It is a Turkish name. Um, my father comes from Armenian roots. Um, and back in the early 1900s, the Armenians and Syrians and northern Turkish were all pretty nomadic and tribal people. So it actually uh, is Turkish. Um, it passes across a number of countries and languages, but it means lady of the house. It's almost more the matriarch of the family. It's an old world name. And I'm also the only girl in my family, so it could be fitting and appropriate or, um, it, you know, turns me into the cleanup crew on a, on a day-to-day with my, <laughs> with my brothers and my husband. Uh, but it is a very old world, old family name. And funny enough, last thing I'll tell you, I'm a feminine junior. I am Hartoon Jr. I have an 85-year-old Aunt Hartoon who I run marathons with and uh, try to live up to her name. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, that's absolutely brilliant. So, you actually began your role during the pandemic, if I'm right. You moved to TikTok. You're one of many, many online hires, uh, which they made, because I suppose the period of greatest expansion did actually come in 2020 to 2021. That was in August 2020. Must have been an interesting time to join. But how did you actually come to work in advertising to begin with? I know you have an Ogilvy connection, but was it always part of your career plan going back to school days? 
God, no. Um, like most of our peer group, I'm sure, I completely just fell into advertising. I did not know that this would be a career path for me. What I did know was that I needed a blend of business and creativity in my career. I'm a New Yorker. Um, I have been raised on the mean streets of the uh, Manhattan cities through the 80s. So the only way I could actually fulfill my soul is to have a balance of culture and creativity in my day-to-day -day business. And that's how I ended up in advertising. It's interesting, yes, I must admit, if I look at my own past, it was that sort of Venn diagram of reasonably lucrative and commercial combined with actually creative and interesting. And the overlap between those two circles isn't all that big. There are quite a lot of jobs to be found at either end, but not so much in the middle. So, no, I mean, that probably explains why New York remains a kind of uh, advertising capital. You need both. So what's your agency history been in between falling into advertising, as many of us did, I think, and uh, finally arriving at TikTok? Well, I started, I was lucky enough, uh, I had to take my university experience as uh, my path to getting a job, not getting an education. When you're a first-generation-born American, you're coming from immigrant parents, I was put into college to go get a job. So I made it my job in my second semester of uh, my senior year to get employed. And I had gone to a career fair and gray advertising was there at the team. It wasn't even gray worldwide yet. And gray was there and gray was recruiting candidates. I fell into that by way of, I got recruited. I was able to start my job at the end of the summer. And so next thing I knew, I was like, well, let's just give this a go. Um, but it did check a lot of the boxes of creativity and business. From Gray, I started to learn the beauty and the rigor of account management and develop business strategy and practice. And then I got a call from Ogilvy. And that's where I fell in love with brand. And so Ogilvy is the brand steward and the brand builder. It really taught me marketing the red carpet. I sat down the hallway from Shelly. It was just an incredibly formative experience. And you felt this mad men world um, in a day-to-day -day in the 2000s in New York. And then I moved from there uh, as creativity became a, a deeper need for my my day to day to BBDO, which was at the time and still currently a, one of the most awarded creative networks in the, on the planet. So BBDO um, from Ogilvy through Gray really allowed me to have this nice education, if you would, in the business of business strategy, account management, brand stewardship, marketing, and then creativity at its finest. And that's where I learned that the work could work. Um, and it became my formative creative agency a dozen years of my career. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, that's pretty good progression, I have to say. <laughs> um, and uh, really interesting order in which to do it. But uh, absolutely fantastic to hear this. And then it was from BBDO, you went straight to TikTok. Is that right? I had I really appreciated being on the push side of marketing and advertising communication where we were putting messages out. And then I got a phone call where Bob Pittman, I'm, I'm sure everyone's heard of him. He was also one of, of the founders of MTV. Um, was looking to change Clear Channel into iHeartMedia and Entertainment. And I found it early in my career. I was good at transformation, Rory. I was great at taking things from and to. So when I got the call to work towards taking Clear Channel and helping transition it to iHeartMedia, I jumped in. And that was the push part of my career where how could I push out experiences? How could I push out content? Um, and from there, I met incredible media um brands and clients. And I was sitting across the table from one of my clients who, in essence, helped me realize that data and dollars were driving the decisioning. And that was on the media side of the house. And just following that pattern, I then moved to Mediacom um, to be able to kind of create uh. that other Venn diagram of creativity, 
data dollars, experiences, and moved over to Mediacom and Group M. And that's where a creative agency girl shifted to the media side, which is very rare. Not many people do. And I was a fish out of water. But I was just going to say that's more or less unprecedented. It's a pity it's so rare yeah. because cross fertilization between the two. Uh, would be much, much more valuable. You do have creative directors now within media agencies uh, in small numbers, but the amount of cross-fertilization, given how interdependent the two disciplines are, uh, the amount of migration between the two is disappointingly low, I think it's fair to say. But that was a very timely decision, I think, as well. It was very intentional, uh, and it was the hardest jump I've ever made, um, and I felt the most away from my people, if you would. Um, But then I started to really realize that how could I bring marketing to media? And I think the media colleagues that I worked with really appreciated having the business strategy, the creative perspective, because they had all the capability to turn that into powerful comms planning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think we made each other better, um, but I, I didn't want to just flex one muscle. That's never been who I am. So from creative agency to platform to media agency, I took it to streaming. And I knew that I could absolutely apply creative and media and audiences and strategy applied in a streaming platform space and think about how we could shape product. And that took me to Spotify. And from Spotify, I started to see that my streaming behavior turned into commercial and commerce behavior because culture drives consumption. And next thing I know, uh, here I am at ByteDance and we're, we're building TikTok. So how long were you at Spotify for beforehand? Two years. And I have deep love for music. So you can see the, the patterns in me um, with for my heart to also Spotify after my media agency term. But in terms of uh, being kind of media polymath, that's almost um, untouchable, I think, as a resume. Uh, and uh, Do you have a slight tendency that uh, you make your next job something that makes you slightly uncomfortable? It's less about the uncomfortable. I, I tend to, when I'm in the yellow, uh, not in the red, when I'm in the yellow, I'm learning. So I'm in learning mode. It's not about being uncomfortable as much as it is I try to spot patterns. Um, so when I yeah. see patterns in our industry coming, uh, I need to move towards them. I'm just more like future focused. And my husband is a historian, so he's much more historically focused. I, I, I had decided very, very quickly one day I woke up in my career and I said, I need to change my brief. I need to go from fixing 20th century business to building the 21st. The second I had that moment of clarity, it changed the trajectory of my career. And so that's where I have been really driving towards what are the patterns I see coming? How do I turn those pixels into a picture? And then I move my education and by way of that my job um as a result but spotify and subsequently tiktok is a very shrewd move because i think there is a question which is undoubtedly from a commercial point of view moving to the media uh, world at the high point of digital was a shrewd thing to do i think actually the digital media world had at that point and still is in many areas vastly over quantified in that the attention paid to targeting is disproportionate compared to the attention paid to creative. And very many people with pretty robust research in this subject, including Google, and after all, it's not in Google's interest necessarily to big up the importance of creativity, have come to the conclusion that it's actually the creativity that's decisive in engagement and discoverability. And yet I would argue that perhaps uh, the media world has grabbed a little bit too much of a power grab relative to creative agencies uh, in the last sort of, uh, well, 15, 10 to 15 years. Um, I, th- I think it was unbalanced in the opposite direction when I first started, by the way, massively unbalanced in the opposite direction when the media discussion was much, much less nuanced and interesting and the, the landscape was 
in a sense, smaller. But I think, you know, by five or six years ago, I think it, it has become apparent that the pendulums swung a bit too far. I think that it's just a natural course of our business. The pendulum will always right size. Um, and I think, you know, we, we did, and you can look at it by way of can, um, who occupied the beaches when? When you see the creativity turn into the media uh, and then all of a sudden it starts to right size in the platform, I think ultimately what we're trying to do as a business is orient ourselves around people. I honestly think that's what's happening. The, the creative agencies had the power of the insights of the audiences and the people. And then the media agency had data which helped them orient around people. And now everything's starting to right size back where we know we need each other to drive this interdependency. Yeah, because those insights are still valuable. Still valuable. They never, they never went away. They never went away. No, Absolutely right. Yeah. We need to create. And I think that the platform emergence coming in now and the platforms are taking over the beaches. It really is who has the most control over impact of those audiences. And that's where I think we start to see a little bit of the pendulum right size. So as a 57-year-old, I enjoy TikTok and I watch TikTok quite a bit, Wonderful. Uh, although not when my children are around because they're horrified by seeing their dad using the platform. You do seem to have a, you know, a slight, uh, um, but the, the, the interface is also slightly baffling to anybody in my age group, maybe intentionally so. You know, The worst thing that can happen to a social media platform in some ways is that your parents and grandparents get on board. But um TikTok, rather like Nando's, is one of those brands I like, but I'm always conscious of the fact that I don't quite get it in the way that my children get it. What do you think, because, you know, having come from outside with this breadth of experience elsewhere, what do you think the the magic secret sauce is there? Well, I would tell you one of our most important and popular audiences and growing audiences are grandfluencers. And this is the older mm. generation, I think, you know, I, I, I am of the Gen X generation, and I think that we didn't have as much multi-generational integration prior in the, with the platforms uh, that presented themselves then. Now, uh, these communities and people, they lo we all live together. You have the Gen Z generation living with the, yeah. uh, the boomer population and older. And so we've got this beautiful multicultural, multi-generational world. And so I actually don't think you are not welcome on the platform. I think you're actually leading a lot of the conversation on the platform because our older generations have time. They have wisdom to impart. Hey. They have the prowess because the UX is so friendly uh, to be able to be technologically savvy. So I actually think we're probably the most inclusive platform where if I do see an older population, like Mick Jagger just joined TikTok and the crowds went wild. And yes, so, absolutely. Yeah. I think it really is. It is probably one of the first paradigms of the people that TikTok is allowing all generations to have a wonderful, safe, and um, important place on the platform. So I actually think that uh, that's that's a first time. And actually, actually, if you look at the content, the mother, daughter, father, son, father, daughter, grandparent, grandchild trope actually accounts for a huge amount of particularly the humorous content. Absolutely. You know, the interplay, you know, what you might call family banter or badinage that's right. uh, is and particularly intergenerational badinage, is a really, really rich and large part of what's there, which I think is uh, intriguing because nothing else has maybe zoned in on that to the same extent. Right, and I think that's those are the populations that have been shaping uh, the product that we are building around our communities. They are shaping the conversation because they're spending time together in a very real and authentic way, and it's bringing that middle set of generations of millennial and Gen X into the platform as a result. That's a fascinating, absolutely fascinating. What else do you think in terms of its power of discovery? I mean, the algorithm is patently 
rather brilliant. I mean, scarily brilliant in a way in that it fairly reliably serves up exactly what I want, which in many cases actually resolves to slightly bad taste humour. Um, <laughs> it's, um, uh, you know, it, it spotted that in me very, yeah. very rapidly. Take a look at your For You feed. Uh, we're going to have to switch phones and I, I will try to learn what that looks like. on it. Exactly that, yeah. I mean, when it started, I suppose there was a gap in the market for short-form video. Uh, YouTube, I think, has long-form video kind of sewn up. You probably don't really see YouTube as a competitor in in the conventional sense, although it, you know it is in one sense. But it's a it tends to have a very different application. You know, the one being perhaps you know intention driven, the other one being distraction driven or entertainment driven yeah. uh, to a great extent. Um, what is it do you think that that caused TikTok and ByteDance, of all the players who must have been competing in that space, do you, would you basically say it was the algorithm when it came down to it? Or was it actually the creation tools? I think it's a combination of a number of things. Um, first yeah. foremost, I think we had a, a very tuned in audience as, as we were born in the pandemic. Next, I think we were very pleased to understand that content um, ruled the graph, not social uh, media ruling the graph. And I think once we were able to truly see how flat the world was and how the algorithm brought it doesn't actually serve you content that you want exactly it actually serves you content you didn't know you would want and that's because well, yes exactly diversity yeah, yeah. of of people and interests and subculture and so the social graph which is a social media behavior is your network your family your friends your cohort your peers we all know this we're very comfortable with this but the the special thing about the tiktok algorithm is the content graph where the best content in the world will travel, or content you never expected will travel. And when you follow the content graph, the diversity of culture and conversation is what is served to you. And all of a sudden, the multidimensional, multinational, multi-generational person that you are, Rory, is all of a sudden presented to you in a way that you're like, yeah, actually, now you get me. And you feel like the, the platform and algorithm gets you. But really what it does is it's just not serving you things that you have inherently uh, taught it to, but it is serving you the world and interests that you have that you may have not put in a demographic box. But generally, by the way, it seems to serve up content. This and again, it's very dangerous generalizing because we all see a different TikTok. But the content seems to be the kind of content which generally likes its fellow human beings. In other words, it seems to me, at least, relatively light on some of the nastiness or the. Uh, what you might call the kind of confected arguments that often bedevil Twitter or Facebook or other other social media. It's actually rel relatively upbeat, I would say, and relatively light on nastiness. Now, there are going to be exceptions to that, obviously. You, you, you know, it's impossible to police the whole thing. But it's got that slightly Shakespearean thing, which is loving humanity in all its diverse forms, I rather mean than being kind of prescriptive. We are very lucky, uh, and I will steal a, a quote from the New York Magazine, which called us the last sunny corner of the internet. Um, yeah. And I think we are a place for creativity uh, and joy. We are there to literally enrich lives. I have truly changed the course of my life with the information and edutainment uh, that has hit my For You feed. Um, the, the decisions I make now, um, the way I share information, the things that I learn about are very, very different because of TikTok. And so I think our people, our community is what's special about that. I don't think that technology is special. I think our people that want to have positivity, that want to have real interactions with multiple generations, that 
prefer real versus retouched. I think our community has brought that forward. And that has created an environment for joy, safe, enjoyable, multi-market content that is just causing people to upload billions of videos at all time because they feel safe and they're just putting it out there in their imperfect world. And that causes all of that joy. I don't have to over-engineer. And this is how we tell our marketers and brands to come on platform. Don't over-engineer. You've built a beautiful brand voice. Let it out in the way that you originally intended versus create this kind of packaged, perfection-oriented way to show up on platform. That realness equals comfort. That realness equals community. And that community naturally translates into creativity and joy. It is so simple and it makes me feel good. It's also why I watch certain shows and I do not watch the news. It's because it certainly makes me feel good. And when you can do that at scale to a billion, yes, that is a positive impact on society. Uh, and I think we we want to have a positive impact on society and so does our community. And so that's why I think we just continually in the comments and in the content that is posted, um, our creators and our brands are able to show up and have positive impact on people's lives um, because that's the, that is the culture of the tone that, uh, that our community curates. I mean, it is, it is creative in the best sense of the word in that, uh, you know, to build on that, the, the last sunny corner of the internet, it definitely feels positive some rather than negative some. And I think a lot of social media, for whatever reason, devolved into a kind of negative sum. My job is to win an argument, in a sense, <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, I never uh, engage in those arguments. And, but I think, you know, we, we have an intentional um, duty and a responsibility um, to, mm. to build for better. Uh, and so even with things like being able, uh, features uh, technologically, to be able to turn off commenting, that, that is us intentionally ensuring we maintain the positivity. Of our platform and yes. our, our community is grateful for it um and they they reward us with their time and they reward us with their lives have you bought an air fryer i, I before the pandemic but because my <laughs> i know that seems by the way that must seem a completely left field no, and irrelevant I question understand what you're saying but I, I, <laughs> I bought it before the pandemic what i did instead post tiktok was taught my my friends and family how to clean their air fryer better because of ah. because I'm a big I'm a big clean talk person so because of the the hacks that I've learned from other people around the world who have shortcut and improved my lives I've now taught my community how to clean their air fryer better Rory yeah actually that whole cleaning thing the appeal of watching people clean things is kind of fascinating isn't it the vicarious no no one guessed. That was a form of content. There's someone on YouTube, similarly, who unblocks drains, who has an audience of the millions, because there's something inherently satisfying about watching that. You know, and, I, I, um, I argue, I'm not sure if satisfying is how I would personally articulate it. I actually orient it around educational. People love to learn. I genuinely believe, and this is the psychology major in me, people love to learn. And people are learning oriented as adults. You don't necessarily learn by reading, you learn by doing. What TikTok has become... Uh, mm. is a very large how-to. It is a how-to platform. Yeah. And so people are learning how-to. So there is definitely oddly satisfying, and that is a sub-talk in a community that people have thousands of different types of video. It's not just cleaning. But I think what we have on our platform are people that are learning-oriented. So I'll tie that to brands. Brands that come on our platform that understand the behavior of learning-oriented human beings now can think about how they can participate their way through people's problems. 
So if I'm a brand and I have a cleaning product, my cleaning product is teaching somebody how to make the most of their time or how to make their home or their family a little bit happier. All of a sudden now they're participating their way through a problem they have in a very functional way because people are learning oriented. It's fascinating the impact and the shortcuts that can be given by brands and products and services as a result of leaning into what is naturally happening on platform, which is learning or transformation. At the moment, it's more serendipitous learning than it is intentional, perhaps. Is it? Is that fair? Or, or do you actually see it as being fairly balanced? Personally, uh, and I can only speak as a focus group of one, I think it's much more balanced. If not, I think the way... Um, people assume the community operates is just for entertainments and giggles. Um, but truly, if you see how people are using the platform and how they tell us they're using the platform, it is in service of their lives. Yes. Now, I, I was an air fryer evangelist years ago. And what delighted me about TikTok was that finally, I didn't have to do all the work of evangelizing this thing myself. The community basically took it on itself to do it for me. And I think there's something very interesting, which is that this is true both in its different way, I think, of YouTube and TikTok, which is at some point you will reach a volume of content, particularly how-to content, where you almost become a video equivalent of Wikipedia. In other words, suddenly people will, will not go, I wonder if there is an answer here. They'll know there's an answer here. And you see that already with YouTube, perhaps with you know tech problems particularly more involved tech problems, people no longer leap to text, they leap to an explanatory film. And in many ways, in anything, someone told me, I can't remember what it is, it's something insane, like quarter of a billion hours of YouTube content where the title starts with the words how to. And um, I think you can see that, you know, of course, you know, as it grows through aggregation, you will actually find that point where people go there with the expectation of something, not even just the hope of something. Well, which I, I think is a further stage of evolution, perhaps. I mean, let me double click on that. And especially let, let's bring the brands into the conversation here, because the, the behavior is there's always a how to and there's a product at the center of it, right? Like how to, yeah. change, how to change a tire, how to clean a shower better. And there's always a product at the center of it because they need a tool. What is happening on TikTok is that tool is now becoming preference. And so those products are now becoming preferred. So if we look at our um, some of the research that we've done, we did some research in 2022 with MarketCast that taught us 79% of TikTok viewers are inspired to try new products that they saw on the platform. 79%. And that's because they're literally learning, how can this improve and enrich my life? And now as a result of that, they're trying new products. I am one of them. I have literally purchased products that were never in my consideration set that I was never targeted with because of my demographic. And now I am an avid purchaser. I have switched brands. And that is the ultimate goal of marketing, change behavior. I have switched brands on yeah. a single TikTok because it taught me how to change or improve my life. So that's 79%. I'm in it. I'm completely in that cohort that has tried new products or bought new products because I learned about them. And so the, the research is showing us that these are truly connected behaviors where we drive the education, we drive the how-to, uh, and it benefits brands because they're participating their way through problems. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Top two challenges brought to you by Alf Insight. Alf Insight helps media owners, agencies, and marketing service providers improve their new business pipelines by equipping them with in-depth insights, accurate information, and daily news updates on the leading and challenger brands in the UK. Alf now also helps sports clubs, venues, and charities with new partnership deals. Alf Insight identifies the brands to target at the right time, providing everything you need to tailor the perfect pitch. Visit Alf Insight, that's ALFinsight.com, or click the link in the episode description to find out more. What would you say, I suppose, is the biggest challenge for TikTok? That's the brand question. And what's the biggest challenge for social media as a whole, which is the category question? I think the biggest challenge for TikTok is people learning how to communicate in short-form video and being okay with walking away from the classical story arch or the story arc. People now on TikTok communicate in vignettes. Rory, has anyone ever sent you a TikTok? Do people talk to yes. you TikToks? There's a new behavior. People are talking in TikToks. And so short-form video can be just as meaningful and just as compelling as the classical beginning, middle, and end. And so what I believe yeah. is really happening is that the world has a new language, it's caught on, and people are talking in TikToks. So I think our largest challenge is for people to think about how they can communicate in short form video and being okay without that beginning, middle, and end, being okay with just talking in a single vignette. And I think when people send you TikToks and they talk to you in TikToks, it means uh, that they care or that they want you to know something meaningful to them. And that is what I think one of the biggest challenges will be for us, uh, but I don't think it'll be a long-term challenge.
I think it will just naturally be a muscle people flex. You think people, having learned to absorb content this way, will soon just learn to create it that way as well? I do. And, um, yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, I, I mean, one of the great things about digital media is that all the confident assumptions we had about what consumers would watch and indeed create are all eventually proved wrong. I mean, the box set binge. I mean, if you'd gone into a television company, uh, you know, 30 years ago and suggested that people might watch five hours of television at a sitting, you know, even the sort of Wagner fiends would have basically shown you out of the room at that point. And similarly, very short video has something to it, which is, I think, particularly wonderful in that, you know, it's low commitment, but high reward. It's almost like Google, right? The, the beauty and the simplicity, when you go to a Google homepage, it's just single search bar. And there's billions and billions of bytes of data behind it and information. So I actually think it's harder for people to take all of this complex information that they want and to distill it into short form. But when it has been shifted into that short form video, all of a sudden now it's stickier, it's more actionable. And so people can do things coming out of short form video with TikTok. People can do things with brands. People can do things with communication. People can do things with products. They can do things with community that they weren't necessarily able to do had it not been as distilled and compacted such that it was accessible. That's what I think is so compelling. And if I'm, if I'm right, the targeting algorithm doesn't pay any attention really to demography at all, does it? It simply... I think we are a stronger retargeting platform than we are a targeting platform from a content standpoint. Yeah. Think about it. Uh, I would never probably be a, a target for a lawnmower by my demographic uh, and or geographies. I live in New York City. However, by my content consumption behaviors, I'm landscaping eight hours a day every weekend. Ah, in New York City or outside? Just outside, 100 100 meters outside. But this is how I choose to spend my time, but you would not know it. So content content targeting, content um, and contextual is powerful. And I think we will see the rise of this um, as the users continue to grow on our platform, but importantly, and all of the conversations that take place that allow us to be the multidimensional human beings that we are. Do you also see it as playing an increasing role in customer service eventually? That is a very good question and a conversation we could probably have on an entirely other. Yeah. If you think about it, what I will give you one, one thought is when a product or service understands me and how I use exactly service, it only opens the door for a better two-way relationship with those brands. Uh, and so the customer service, I think, is a yet to be, a, I think it's a hugely untapped opportunity, um, but only when you understand how your product's yes. worth is live on platform and how people use them. They are used ritualistically. They are used meaningfully. It is a platform that allows products to perform, period. Your products can perform on platform in, in as they were intended to. And so the customer relationship as a result of that should be something everybody picks up and runs with. That's really interesting. So in other words, it should emerge organically and uh, naturally out of what's already happening. This should be a, a, a natural stage of emergence. Yeah, that's very interesting indeed. In terms of social media in general, or if you, if you want to be even broader, still digital media in general, which I think... You know, I think there's a large area of, of, well, digital media, which has a whiff of Theranos about it. You know, there's a slight whiff of, we want to believe this is true because it makes so much sense. But actually, it doesn't really do the job that conventional media used to do in terms of brand building. 
Well, I think um, when it comes to social media, I'm not the best person to speak to it because I, I genuinely believe and we very often tell uh, our marketing and agency partners, TikTok is not a social media platform. It is an entertainment no. platform. Uh, it is an engagement platform. And it's not because I say so. Uh, it's not because the people that work at TikTok and ByteDance say so. It's because our users tell us that that is the role TikTok plays in their lives. And so as I think about digital media or social media, where I think there is an opportunity with TikTok is that this is an engagement platform. This is two-way. When we created the opportunity for people to duet, what are the insights and behaviors of people that want to get in and, and participate? When we created the opportunity for people to stitch, now we've got products that allow people to engage. And you know, you use certain social media and digital platforms for certain things. They play a role in content, yes. role in marketing. But I think the the role that TikTok plays in not just the media platforms uh, space, not just in comms planning, but the role in people's lives is that it is an engagement platform. It allows for two ways. So if I'm, let's keep pulling on cleaning, if I'm cleaning something and it didn't work, I can go back and ask the community for their help. I can go yes. back and ask a brand, this as I got it wrong, this didn't work. And there is a two-way engagement. So TikTok has become an engagement platform by which social and digital channels have not yet evolved. So I think this truly is a platform and paradigm shift uh, and a challenge for probably some of the older platforms and an opportunity for TikTok. I think actually there was a tendency about 10 or 15 years ago for platforms which re were really about entertainment or information. I mean, YouTube desperately portrayed itself as a social media platform. Really, I think that was about stock market valuation. I don't, you know, I don't think it was anything to do with what really YouTube is. Yes, sometimes the comments are vaguely amusing. Yes, sometimes we share content, but that's not really what it's about. And I think your clarity of saying that, look, our first and foremost, our principle is to be ever more entertaining and engaging is uh, really healthily honest and direct. I think that's uh, very refreshing indeed. Without giving away trade secrets, any plans? I mean, obviously, you know, if you're planning to become one of these sort of Weibo-style Uber apps, you don't have to reveal it here. But um, are there any plans to um, uh, enhance both content creation or consumption? You have seen our... Or indeed, or indeed commerce, I guess. Sure. Yeah, there's a, thank you. It's exactly where I was going to head. Um, yeah. You have seen our foray into the commerce space. And I think what we're, in essence, doing is a natural evolution of our community uh, creating content that is changing their lives, our brands being right. able to participate in solving through the, some of the problems that help purchase decisioning, and then right there to the purchase, people see it, they want it, they buy it. it we believe discovery is lower funnel. So our, yeah. our business has shifted from an attention economy to a creator economy. The creators are showing the products working in people's lives, and as a result of that, immediately the discovery of those products has turned into lightning speed sellout. Um, and we have seen the rise of community commerce. And so for us, that is where we believe we have a competitive advantage. And we also start to see a great exploration of our platform and a value that we can provide to both brands and our creative community. It's really interesting because it, probably the fact that it is genuinely a bit of you know, a sunny space also massively lends itself to trust. Absolutely. which I suspect is a very, very big facilitator of the commerce. And efficacy. So this is my favorite yeah. word. I often ask my marketing and agency partners, if you had to pick an E-word and explain what uh, or uh, assign it to TikTok, what would it be? 
And so you'll naturally hear people say like effectiveness or efficiency or, and I sit there and I'm like, okay, what if it's efficacy? We have absolutely seen how TikTok has unlocked real world opportunities for creators and you can uh, engage with them. Um, artists in the music space, SMBs and brands. And so right. what we've really started to see is we've catalyzed a new culture and that culture is shopping and content consumption. And so what we call the community commerce world, it is about driving that blend of community and entertainment into commerce. And when we see that this is becoming such a natural muscle, have you ever purchased anything, Rory, on TikTok? Yes, I have, yeah. Great, okay, fantastic. I do it all the time. It's now become such a unique platform uh, that we own it and we love it. And it is something that we are nurturing and it's blown up beyond us to TikTok leave me buy it. So the discovery has become so lower funnel. Uh, mm. This is where we hope our platform can continue to add value, not just commerce for commerce sake. And so TikTok made me buy it has over 40 billion views on it because people are <laughs> literally, it's just a behavior. It's like I saw it. I learned about it. I needed it in my life. And so I'll give you a great example of a brand who you wouldn't naturally expect to have been successful in the TikTok made me buy it craze, but Vaseline, Unilever's Vaseline product, mm. 150 years old, is being rediscovered thanks to TikTok and the trend that's mm. called slugging on the platform where users are using the product as skincare. So there's an efficacy. I can see the benefit this product has on people that look like me all over the world. And as a result of that, Unilever has experienced tremendous, tremendous, tremendous um, success through this, where they told the New York Times the product mention went up 327% on social media during the first week because slugging was a trend on TikTok. And so we're able to bring efficacy to the forefront, relevancy to products that are 150 years old. And naturally that turns into, I need to have this product in my life to have that benefit as well. And so commerce is coming through. So our creator community that is putting this kind of messaging on platform that is then driving to conversion is definitely a behavior of the future. So you have that business of not only social proof, but also a certain herd effect. It's very interesting because shopping is, this is where I think a lot of online retail is missing something, which is shopping, if not, it's sometimes a social activity, but it's always a herd activity. I was talking to an expert in retail who said, the problem that happens at an airport like Heathrow's Terminal 5, when it becomes dominated by luxury goods, okay, is that luxury goods shops don't have many people in them. They're generally a sort of low velocity, low density experience. And the profusion of too many luxury goods shops effectively destroys the shopping vibe, which is the whole point of them being there in the first place. So there's something very interesting about that, which is that actually feeling that you're part of something when you buy something. Absolutely. That and people are tribal by nature. That is just a, a yeah. natural psychology um, understanding. When there's a line outside of a, a store, everybody feels like they are missing something. So we are we are naturally uh, tribal and gravitate towards herds. But I think it's still discovery at scale is what the superpower is that we have, where we've seen that our users are one and a half more likely to immediately go out and buy something that they discovered on the platform because they saw users and the content graph, the algorithm allows that content to travel because it is so interesting or because it is so efficacious. And so if they're one and a half more likely to go out and try something immediately because they saw it, it's not only the herd mentality, but it's that our users are telling us that they've discovered something new. And that discovery is power. It is cultural power. I think there's something incredibly important because one of the things I've noticed about important innovations of the last 10, 15 years 
And this goes all the way from things like Gusto or Blue Apron or HelloFresh, okay, all the way to things like electric cars, is increasingly you have these products which are very difficult to sell in advance, but once converted, you never go back. The air fryer is one example. Uh, you know, the Japanese toilet is another one. You know, nobody wants to buy one, but once you have one, reverting to an ordinary toilet would feel almost, you know, as it's almost the same as going from an ordinary toilet to, you know, defecating in a hole in your garden. Okay. It, you know, and so, so many of these products actually are discovery products. So many of the really meaningful products are, and by the way, that was true of the mobile phone to an extent. If you go back to my kind of my twenties of the late eighties, that it's a particularly valuable channel, I think, for, uh, for, for actually funneling and seeding innovation. I think, um, Innovation is something that our creator community carries because it has been opened up and out open sourced. It is no yeah. longer a few creative directors governing uh, what people learn and discover. It is no. creator. It's billions of creator directors and our creator community mass at scale. They are now curating that discovery. They are driving the innovation. They are bringing. Uh, value to products and services existing or future. And so this is no longer a, a few people governing it as it would a social graph, a few people governing what you are exposed to. It is the whole world now giving you the opportunity um, to see and access innovation at scale. Yeah, I, I, I think it's actually, you know, it's one of those strange things. Everybody's crapping on about the metaverse, which drives me insane. And my <laughs> view is that it's actually things that already exist that are now discovering new and wider applications, whether it's Zoom or actually YouTube on your TV or TikTok on your TV, indeed, actually, which is an interesting, you know, right. I, I watch it sometimes on the big screen. Um, my children think it's weird, but then they've got better eyesight than me or better short-range vision than me. There's the innovation, and then I, I will just, I'll, not to drone on old-world examples, but I, I will, I think it's so important because, to your point, um, it's a lot of what exists versus what is going to come. And so a great example uh, are things that have existed for centuries, uh, and that's books. And so if, yes. you, if you look at uh, Book Talk with over 100 billion views on Book Talk, right? Books are back. Um, at the hashtag brings yeah. together readers and book lovers from TikTok all over the world. They've created their own global book club. They share recommendations, and they bring old world back into the new. People are literally looking about how they can inspire and enjoy literature in all of its forms. And the New York Times... A, a newspaper obviously picked up how book talk has changed the publishing industry. And the publishing and printing industry has been around forever. But businesses like Barnes and Nobles have a book talk section. That is innovation in itself. We are literally bringing things back that are offering utility um, and information exchange. And so we also make sure that our platform leans into that innovation. People are looking for what is existing and how do we make it new. And so we released a book talk feature. It allows users to link their favorite book to their videos. You can click on links directly. You can have a dedicated page about the book. You can get a brief summary on it. You can get a collection of other books. In essence, what is happening? Or well, no, I think your point that it's actually, uh, it's effectively people helping other people rather than scoring points off them makes this really, really distinct and, um, and actually economically important too. You, that's a great way to say it. Well, you've been listening to On Brand with Alf and Rory Sutherland. If you want to do business with TikTok or any other media channel, 
Contact the ALF Insight team on their website, www.alfinsight.com. That's www.alfinsight.com. You can also find the link in the episode description. This series is produced and, as ever, expertly edited by Ultimate Sound and Vision. Big shout-out and props to them. And to make sure you receive the next episode, please do subscribe. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard, then give us a like. Thanks for listening, and Hartum, thank you very much indeed. That's been fantastic. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.